0: Hey everyone, producer and media guru Pate here. The Everyday Eagles team is taking a much-needed break for the holidays, and we will be back in full force for Season 2 in January. But fear not, we've got a great Where Are They Now interview lined up for today that every Golden Eagle fan will enjoy. We love these interviews and want Everyday Eagles, just like you, to be more involved in them. We post who we are interviewing on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages to give our listeners a chance to send in questions that you would like for us to ask during the interviews. You can even voice record your questions and we can have our guest answer the questions directly from you on the show. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Everyday Eagles Podcast. And you can also find us on Twitter at Everyday underscore Eagles so that you don't miss out on any of our upcoming interviews as well as some of our social media swag giveaways that we're looking to do very soon in the coming year. Don't forget to subscribe to the Everyday Eagles podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podbean, or wherever you download your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a rating and review on those platforms, as it really does help us out as we continue to expand as a podcast. Now, enjoy the show. Are you looking for the spot to kick back, relax,
1: and talk all things Southern Miss? Well, you're in the right place. No need for the
2: calculator here, Poindexter. We're average Joes who are passionate fans. This is for Southern Miss fans by Southern Miss fans. Welcome to the Everyday
0: Eagles Podcast.
1: Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Everyday Eagles podcast, where we continue to do our Where Are They Now segment. They seem to be being uh, pretty popular, but before we get kicked off with our guests, I got to bring in that uh, co-host of mine, Mr. Lane Brady. What's up, Lane?
3: What's happening, Chuck? How you doing tonight?
1: I'm doing well, man. Uh, You know, like before we came on, you mentioned talking about the weather during our playful banter. And you know what popped in my head? That Christmas song, The Weather Outside is Frightful. And it is frightful because it's 90 degrees outside.
3: Dude, it's hot, man. It's hot. I showed up today to work with a pullover on, and I had to shed it. And the problem was, I was definitely not in dress code for what teacher was supposed to wear. So, like, I was throwing on my pullover anytime I was going around
1: to other, like, admin or anything. Of course. You gotta you gotta protect the job. But man, it was hot today. It was, it was. Well man, I'm excited about our guest tonight. Uh we got a, a Southern Miss Great Legendary. Um We got the nine, Kung Fu quarterback, baby. The Kung Fu quarterback. I like that. We're gonna put that on a shirt, Dustin. But uh welcome, welcome number nine, Dustin Almond. What's up, man? <laughs> Hey, fellas! I, I'm I'm glad to be
2: here. I certainly appreciate the introduction. Um, of course, you know there's a lot of greats out there, and I just hope to uh, you know just kind of
1: keep on with tradition. Lane, I I gotta say, I'm gonna give you mad props. I think that's probably the best thing you've ever said, Kung Fu quarterback.
3: It was uh, like I was at that bowl game. So, Dustin, you played. You got. Well, you can't.
1: You can't snaps. ask the question. That's one of our listener questions, Lane.
3: I'm not gonna ask that question. I say <laughs> you played most of your snaps in 04, 05. Uh, when I looked today, I looked earlier at your stats today, and I think it was '04 and '05 was when you basically had your best seasons, from what I saw. And uh, if my memory serves me correct, I would have been in eighth grade and ninth grade back then. So Lane's a baby. <laughs> I'm the back <baby laughs> of the podcast. So. I, I, yeah, but yeah, I was at that bowl game.
2: Okay, yeah, that was 2003. So that was the year we had the uh, the championship team, and of course, you know, across the field was Urban Meyer and Alex Smith. So that was, uh, oh wow, that was a good bowl game to remember. That's Unfortunately, awesome. the the outcome was not what I had
3: quite expected, but. Yeah, it was
2: uh, it was a pretty neat experience, especially seeing what those guys have done now.
3: We got some questions on that one coming up in a little bit, so we don't want to steal thunder from our listener questions. But uh, I'm looking (laughs) forward to covering a particular play that happened during that game. For sure. (laughs) Well,
2: I appreciate the heads up. I'll have time to think about that answer. Yeah,
1: think about that answer. We'll dive right into our uh, what we call our everyday eagle normal questions. The number one is why'd you choose Southern Miss, man? I think you you know you had you were looking at Louisville and that state that we won't say up north and and Southern Miss. But what made you choose uh, Southern Miss?
2: Well, so coming out, I had an offer from Louisville. I had an offer from Mississippi State, and then Southern Miss. So the first trip I took was actually to Southern Miss. Um, and Zach White at the time was my host uh Zach was a year was gonna a year ahead of me at that time um but you know he just kind of showed me around and shot me straight you know and you just kind of at that time uh Paul Petrino was the quarterback coach so he did a great job in recruiting me and just kind of you know showed me what could be and, and what's gonna be and of course you know that was the time in the expansion with the new locker room so that was a good selling point um, but, you know, you just saw Southern Miss kind of climbing and going in the right direction. You know, Louisville, kind of the same aspect there. But, uh, you know, they had Dave Ragone at that time, you know, and he was going to be a sophomore. And then, you know, Mississippi State was – Mississippi State, honestly, uh, you know, I hate to say it, was was my number one pick. Um, you know, and just kind of got the thought of thinking of, of what Mississippi State had, what Southern Miss had, what I could be part of, you know, and try to build and, and continu- continue that tradition. And just Southern Miss just kind of fit it, you know. And again, Paul
1: Petrino had a lot to do with it. That's awesome, man. That's great. Well, we're we're personally glad you picked Southern Miss over Mississippi State.
3: Yes, I think it was a great decision. I think so too. Hey,
2: hey it was. I, I I you know go back and of course you know things we regret. That that was not one. So I I definitely enjoyed my time at Southern Miss and glad that you know something steered me that way and, and you know just kind of followed it.
1: Awesome. Well, uh, next question is, what's your uh, favorite Southern Miss moment? It can be from when you were playing or, or on the sidelines, man. Ooh,
2: man, favorite moment. Uh, there were so many of them um, there at Southern Miss. You know, of course, TCU sticks out that that was a, a good win for the program. Of course, you know, them coming in and I think they were eight, nine and one pole. Uh, so not to knock them off was pretty special. Of course, playing Cal so tight, you know, when they had uh Aaron Rodgers, you know, I think Marshawn Lynch was there. That that was a good game. That was just a fun atmosphere. But, you know, a lot of the stories just kind of just go back and being in that atmosphere, of course, you know, on that Thursday night when when it was rocking, you know, against against Cal, against TCU. You know, and, and unfortunately when Nebraska was there and, you know, completely embarrassed myself, that was uh that was another fond moment, but in the opposite direction. Again, it was just based on kind of the atmosphere. But, you know, those three stick out. But, you know, on the road beating Nebraska was a cool scene, just seeing the history and tradition that that school had. You know, that that, that was probably my fondest moment and probably one of the the most memorable wins for sure. Awesome.
3: Yeah, and, and uh, those are definitely some big ones. I I remember – pretty much every one of those games you mentioned watching as a fan, as a kid growing up, you know, I was junior high, high school during that time. So that was a, (laughs) you know, I said like junior high going into high school during that time for me. So that was a, you know, that was a fun time to be a fan, man. And I was, you know, that's an age where those kids are pretty passionate about their teams and stuff. And I just, I remember a lot of those games, man. A lot of fun memories on my end too, as a fan watching you play. So, for what it's worth, you got a fan here who enjoyed watching you play back then too. So, um,
2: I certainly, I certainly love to hear that. I appreciate it.
3: Yeah, man. So, some other questions we like to ask our guests too. Uh, we like to ask, what was your major?
2: So, my major was sports administration with a minor in business.
3: And now, what are you doing?
2: Now I am an administrator at a skilled nursing facility, so I run the entire facility. Okay. Cool. It's, you- I tell you what, man it it's it's come a long way. I uh, you know once I got done playing ball, I got into coaching and teaching. So I was a you know a substitute, uh, then became a permanent substitute. Then I was a coach, um, you know. But it, I, I've been all over. Uh, started in sales, and now just kind of find my niche here and, and enjoy doing what I'm doing.
3: Where are you living at?
2: So I'm living on the North shore there in Mandeville. And then, cool. uh, yeah, here in Donisonville as well.
1: Very cool. Well, man, I work in a uh, hospice, um, uh, myself and Pate. And, um, I have nothing res- respect for nursing home administrators, especially during COVID and how <laughs> they, hand- I mean, at, no matter what decision you made, it was either the right one or the wrong one at during COVID man. So I, I, admire you for doing that. So for sure good job. We appreciate all you do cuz that's a hard job, man. Well,
2: oh, I appreciate it and it is. Uh you know, I kind of came in on the tail end of it, so I've been in it for a year and a half. So I kind of mm. came in on the tail end of COVID. Um you know, and of course now we have to worry about flu and then COVID's coming right. back around during flu season. So it's uh it has its moments, but you know, the thing I enjoy the most of, of it obviously taking care of my residents, but actually just running the team, you know. Absolutely. That that's really where I get it all.
1: Awesome. Well, uh, Josh Ham had a question, and I I I gotta say that I don't remember this happening, um, but I am anxious to hear the story to this. So Josh asked, "Did you take karate as a child, or was that just you channeling your inner Cobra Kai and the bowl game karate kick?" And I guess that's where uh, Lane got the kung fu quarterback from.
3: I remember that play. Do you? Actually, Dustin, so I went back today, and uh, I looked up highlights from that bowl game just to find that one play, just so I could, like, relive that play before. Uh You know, I don't know how much trouble you got into for that, but uh, I don't know what the butt chewing was like on the sideline. I'm sure you got one, but, uh, man, you got some street cred after that play. (laughs) Well,
2: so to go back, no, I have not taken karate. Um, okay. <laughs> you know, and, and just I remember that particular moment, you know, uh, Utah was bringing a blitz. We really couldn't pick up uh, communication, really wasn't getting through, um, you know, and just continued to get pounded and pounded and pounded, you know, and just the moment kind of takes takes a hold. And the, and the anger got loose. You know, as a quarterback, you, you try to refrain from those moments. Obviously, it wasn't one of my finest moments, um, you know, but going on the sideline. Of course they said, All right, you know, talking to Bauer, that that's uh that's enough for tonight, why don't you go sit down, and cool off. So that that was it. Um you know, after the next series, uh offense goes in. Um Mickey D'Angelo at that time got knocked out with a concussion and you know, kind of the next guy up, uh, was me again. So I got to go back in that game. Um of course we didn't win it, but yes, it w- it was a very frustrating moment and you know that that's a moment that that the emotions get the best of you
1: for sure, and I think that happens to everybody man in every job, not just on the quarterback you know on the football field but in and everything you know if you when you're fully invested and you're 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 bleeding it and and all that, man, your emotions do get the best of you sometimes, so
3: you know, I saw the play and you actually got hit late. it should have been rough in the past, They like when you watch the highlight of that play. You threw it and the kid hit you late and you rolled over and got up and just it was like a snap instinct all of a sudden and then you backed (laughs) up after you did it. It was just instinctive almost, but yeah, that was a physical game, man. Like I watched the highlights of that whole game today and it was there was some big boy licks passed in that one.
2: Yeah, it was uh it, it was a fun game and of course, you know, I mean Utah had that big story coming in coming in that game. Uh, you know, we'd just beat TCU, not, uh, not even a month earlier, I guess at that time, as late as the bowl is, but we, I mean, we had a lot of emotion and and yes, it was, it was, uh, it was a big game and, and it just kind of, it hurt, <laughs> you know, it hurt, but it kind of mm. put us in that, going into the off season with that chip on our shoulder, which the misses always had. So right. it was just refuel for the next season.
3: Well, we got another listener with a question here. Corey Moore asked, uh, well, first off, Corey Moore said he had some classes with you back when you were in college and said he always enjoyed getting to talk to you and stuff like that. And he said, uh, do you have any advice for a dad with a young son that wants to be a successful quarterback?
2: So, Corey, great question. I have, uh, so I have two little girls, so I will not be having this experience. It'll be on something else, but, you know, as a dad, you just kind of have to just work with the kid. Um, don't show frustration on your side. If the kid makes a mistake, I, I, you know, really at that age is when you kind of work with them in terms of, you know, if the kid throws a bad pass or, or an interception, which is, you know, a heartbreaker for all of us. But in that moment, not getting onto that kid, but using that as a teachable moment, you know, I think In football, you know, yeah, you can yell at your D-line and you can yell at your O-line and you can yell at your linebackers. You know, you kind of got to coddle your receivers and DBs a little bit just because of the way the game's gone now. You know, and and when it comes to quarterback or or just say middle linebacker, it's a different mentality as to how you take the game. You know, you got a lot of things going on in your mind. The last thing you need is someone else pointing out your mistake as if you're already not, you know, kind of living that moment, if that makes sense. So a lot, a lot of coaches now will just yell at that kid and and think that's the way to get through to a quarterback when it is teach them, teach them what they're doing. Okay, now just kind of just really build them up and show them, okay, that's behind us, now look forward. You know the old saying, why your uh, rear view mirror is smaller than your windshield, right? Doesn't really matter where you've been, but it's where you're going. And I think if you can kind of change that mindset with a young kid, um. You know, and just build him up, and, and make sure he has that kind of short-term memory, and just kind of looks forward to the next play. Is really, you know, what you kind of instill in that kid. And and I mean, you know, we all play to win the game, and, and that's another mentality you have to have as a kid, or as a as a parent. You know, how much do you demand out of him at that age? How much do you expect? And I think you got to be realistic with yourself, and kind of just keep your 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 kid, or you know, your son in this instance, on that fine line. Um, but that, you know, my dad was always strict on me. I always tried to work out, work everybody. Um, but, I, you know, I, you got to be strict to a fine to, a, you know, that fine line that you're not forcing them to do anything, but kind of guide them along that way that it shows that it is kind of their decision to go that
1: way. Awesome. That's a good word, man. Well, what's it uh, kind of? Uh, I will give you this a little bit. Kind of tell us about your family, man. Who would you marry? What's your kids names?
2: all right so i married a girl from georgia southern she played basketball at georgia southern uh we met in shreveport during my kind of world travels with ball and everything and and uh you know she at the time was a sideline reporter and, and doing football stuff for the local channel there friday fever you know all that so yeah met her on the sideline you know before one of her games a buddy of mine introduced me to her um and then just kind of grew from there uh she she was offered a job up in in green bay so she went up there to to follow you know that channel the local sports channel there i went to philly to play for the soul um came back home to shreveport and decided i was gonna move up to green bay and, and see where it went uh two years later we moved down to new orleans and now we're here in this area uh we have two beautiful little girls one's three one's four uh the youngest is charlie and the oldest is avery and
1: that's that's kind of my little crew. <laughs> that's a It's a blessing being a girl dad, isn't it, man?
2: It is. It is, and the good thing is, you know, my oldest, she's probably a head taller than everybody else in the class, um, right. which is a good thing. Like I said, my wife played college basketball. She's mm-hmm. 5'11". I'm 6'2". So hopefully we just kind of get that growth from them and, and can make them just some athletes themselves. For sure. It'd be a see. lot cheaper with two girls.
1: <laughs> right. For sure, man. For sure. I don't know. They they start playing basketball, do some travel ball. They might be uh, might become expensive, man. Yeah, yeah.
2: I don't know if gym short or gym uh, shoes are, are less expensive or them you know high dollar flats they wear. Now.
1: <laughs> there you go. You're right, man. You're <laughs> right. you right. Well, uh, what school did you hate playing the most when you were at Southern? TCU. Okay. TCU was
2: a a giant. You know, it, Texas schools are, uh, you know, only got, well, we, we played a couple, but that TCU, it was just something about them. They were built tough. You know, they weren't as fast as we were, but they were just solid. You know, they were solid. They, they may have been like a half step, you know, slower than we were. We had the advantage speed-wise. It was just something, you know, playing at TCU was an extremely tough game, just kind of the way, you know, that stadium was set up. You You go down. Pretty much into the bowl from the locker room, then you go back up. At that time, I don't, I don't know what it is now, but that it, it was just something about them, man. And, and of course, you know, one of my memorable first starts was there at TCU, uh, and it was just the blitz packages they brought, and, and just the that Texas football kind of atmosphere. I mean, yeah, it, that it, mentality. That was probably the toughest I, I played. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, would that be uh, – do you think the TCU game would be the game you'll remember for the rest of your life? If not, what would be the game, you think?
2: You know, you have those good games. You, you think of individual games that you, that you play good good in. You know, UCF, I remember. You know, I played uh, Nebraska during that year, and that was the game I had five turn- – five, I think it was six turnovers, right? And then I came out. You know, after that embarrassment, and of course, I think we went to Cincinnati or where we went after that. Uh, Damien Carter, they started that following week, so that was that was a gut punch. Um, but then to come back and play against UCF, and and I had I think five touchdowns that night, passing one rushing. So that bounce back game was probably more of the most memorable ones. Obviously, when you talk about team and the home win, you know TCU was was the biggest. Um, but you know, going on the road, Nebraska, I mean, Nebraska was just, it was just such a cool place. And, and that atmosphere was just absolutely insane. And just the respect they gave us too. and we left the, left the, uh, the field, it was just, uh, I'm not going to say a magical moment, but it was just like, okay, that is what, how they describe college mm-hmm. football. And that's how fans should be after they just lost to an opponent, you know? That's so sure, it, it was, it was pretty cool, but that was, that was You know, the road, the road win. It probably was
1: most. Okay. Well, you know, and college football now spread offense is all the rage, but that, that, I don't think that was around back in your day, was it?
2: No. So when I first came to Southern Miss, they were a big, say, 10 and 11 personnel. So four receivers or, you know, your two or three receivers with a tight end. They spread it out, run a bunch of option routes. um, You know, and of course, that time they had, that was right after. That was the year Derek Nick got sick. Um, was my red shirt year, and then he came my red shirt freshman year. So they they kinda tinkered around with some backs, but then it kinda got the defense was, you know, as strong as they were. Now we're gonna kinda control it back a little bit. So the answer, sorry, long story. We did not run much of the spread, and yes, I think it would be completely, <laughs> completely different for sure. For sure.
1: Okay, okay. Well, so uh, so let me, let me speak yeah. on that. So, yeah,
2: you know, I mean, my, my last year was Oh five, you know, so football's come a long way and, and last year we're sitting there at Louisiana Lafayette. My nephew plays there is for a walk on. And uh, one of the girls were like, man, they, those guys just don't look like, like y'all, you know, like, we're like, okay, first of all, we're old and we're fat. Right. But you know, back and I kind of thought about it, but back, you know, and, and, the early 2000s everything was kind of built more for power right like we were mm. all it was more of a power toughness you know and now i think it's more kind of like a fast twitched movements mm. you know so everybody's a lot faster not i don't think they're as strong as they were but i think they're a lot faster probably a little bit more explosive due to that fast twitch
1: i, I believe you're right man i believe you're right absolutely well did you have a, a favorite receiver or a favorite teammate
2: my center was always my favorite teammate. Um, yeah. He always protected my ass. That, that yeah. was always my number one guy. Uh, Jim Hicks was, you know, he helped me on early in my career. He was an experienced center. He was able to see the blitzes and kind of set protections off the field. You know, we hung out a lot. Receivers, man, I had Marvin Young on the outside. Um, you know, on the inside, I had Antoine Currington. You know, in my senior year, he had a big injury. Uh, Marvin and I came in together. Marvin was a walk-on at the time. Started getting playing time as a true freshman. So, you know, we didn't get the red shirt together, but he was one guy that that was a great story. And, of course, you root for him. Uh, You know, it's hard to call a favorite. I mean, those those guys, uh, they had some good careers as well. So,
1: Well, let let me ask you this. This is not a a question that I was going to ask, but you just said something that made me think of it. I am a huge tight end. Like I love the the position of tight end. I'm gonna rephrase that. so lane, don't laugh. Um, I'm a big fan of the position tight too end. Late. Why I'm do you think?
3: Laughing,
1: He's already laughing. I, I heard him a,
3: laughing. I knew you were gonna say something when he said earlier ten and eleven personnel and said eleven yeah. personnel has tight ends. I was like, yeah. Chuck's gonna say something about
1: tight ends. <laughs> well, it Lane knows me too well because I've been I've been harping on tight ends all year. But I just feel like that's probably one of the most underutilized positions on the field. Like, as a quarterback, did you like throwing to the tight end? Or what What situations did you throw to the tight end?
2: All right, so I'm glad you brought this up. This was something I spoke on the other day. Bobby Garner, at, when I came in, Bobby Garner was, uh, he played tight end for Jeff Kelly. Um, Bobby came in as a quarterback and ended up mo- playing baseball, and then they ended up moving them to tight end. So an extremely gifted athlete um, playing tight end. And of course, you know, that was late in Jeff Kelly's career. That was his senior year, um, you know, that they played together. And, you know, the further you get in your career, obviously the game slows down. You understand the game a lot more. So a young quarterback and as an offensive coordinator is going to protect that, that quarterback more because that tight end is going to be in a lot of uh, max protections or either check release. So when you're doing that check release and trying to figure it all out as a quarterback and, and figure out who's got what and who's coming, you know, you you kind of your mind goes out away from the tight end because you're hoping that he's staying in max protection. That's, yeah. that's a thing. So, you know, I didn't get to use Bobby for what he was early on in my career. Um, and, of course, Broden, uh, Terrell Broden was the tight end when I was there. He he was extremely good at blocking and receiving, um, and then you know I didn't get to u- utilize uh, Nelson Sean Nelson much in my yeah. career. Kind of like he was still early on learning the game, you know, and and we had some injuries, so I was still just kind of all over. But I, I think a tight end, yeah when when you when your quarterback knows all protections and, and can really read the secondary in terms of what they're doing blitz wise, yeah, tight end. I mean, it's the biggest mismatch on the field, in my opinion. Look
1: at there. C-Lane, C.
3: I didn't disagree
1: with you. For the record,
3: record, I don't have anything against tight ends. I have a tight end of the team I coach. He's caught plenty of passes this year,
1: Chuck. Good.
3: I don't disagree with Chuck. (laughs) He just has an over enthusiastic view towards Especially him. when you have,
1: like, Cole Cavallo right now, Flavors, I like he's good. Like, they throw him the ball in, in desperate situations, and he always comes through. And I'm like, why not just throw it to him a little bit more? I'm just... You know, but, but what you said, Dustin, make sense with the offensive line that's still learning, to and and you know, questions at quarterback. So I get what you're saying. That makes sense, too.
2: And, that, and that's what I was going to say, too. I mean, look, you got Hell, all the all the quarterbacks besides uh heck the senior this year. Um Trey Lowe. besides Trey Lowe, all those guys are young. I mean, they're yeah. still trying to learn this this offense and this, you know, philosophy of of Coach Hall's. So, I mean, you you almost think, yeah, he's protecting them a little bit more, holding the tight end back. But yeah, I'm I'm a huge Cavallo fan. Yeah. I, I love seeing the big guys get the ball. It it's uh you know, it's almost like watching a uh, an O lineman catch a a touchdown. Right. You know, it's, it's it's just funny to see what they do after they get the ball. And of course, to see a big tight end run down the field and just run over safeties is it's, it's fun.
1: It's priceless. Well, uh, what was it like having coach Bauer as a coach? Is
2: that a loaded question? No, it's, uh, I'm just trying to think of how to answer that one. So you really don't see how much Coach Bauer does, you know, in in terms of you really didn't know what he was doing until you were a senior. And that was something that Bauer always did. He made his seniors accountable. Those guys underneath him, those guys had to be accountable for. Um, And he really let the seniors kind of run the team and make the decisions, which you want. But, of course, as a young player, you know, coming into college and and now you don't have a, a curfew you know for a few nights of course you're going to go get in trouble you're going to go run the town you're going to do all the things that we did as as young teenagers and young adults so you see the side that he has to deal with that you've been the the headache um but overall i thought he managed it well he he did you know he left the coaches coach yeah and and a lot of them had some experience there at southern miss and knew that tradition and And he continued with that tradition, and those guys continued to coach that tradition. Um, So, you know, the mental toughness was a big part of it. But, you know, Coach Bauer was successful when I was there. Um, And, of course, to see, like I said, as a senior, you get to see what he deals with on a daily basis, and you wonder how he's been so successful and how he stuck up with the craft that you see.
1: (laughs) Right. No doubt. I've always had a lot of respect for for Jeff Bauer, for sure. you took over the job as a freshman. Walk us through that. Like I know that I think you came in. If I remember reading right, you came in against South Florida, and then you started the next week against Cincinnati. Kind of tell us, like, who gave you? Did Jeff Bauer call you and say, "Hey, you're starting"? Or, or, or what was going through your mind when you got put in at uh, South Florida? So
2: the story, you know, I came in as a redshirt freshman. That was when Jeff Kelly was a senior that year, so I redshirted that year, and then coming in the to- the next year, it was, it was out of uh, Mickey D'Angelo, Zach White, and myself for the starting position. Um, Zach came down with a shoulder injury and I think mono during camp. Um, I don't know if that violates HIPAA, but sorry, Zach. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, so it came down to Mickey and I. Uh, they went with Mickey, and that was my, my redshirt freshman year. So then they just gave me a goal line package that I was going to run. You know, of course, I could run the option. So that was part of my package going into the season. I would be the goal line quarterback. Um, and then, of course, you know, I got my chances doing some cleanup work. But, you know, uh, South Florida, coming in at South Florida, it was just like, all right, let's go see, change it up, you know, and and just see if we could spark something. And it just kind of just happened. I First of all, I was used to Florida <laughs> growing up, playing high school Florida there. I was used to the weather, um, you know, and, of course – I had a huge chip on my shoulder. I, I left Florida and didn't get any offers from any Florida schools. So of course, I played with vengeance when I played South Florida. When I played UCF, you know, I, I wanted in my mind, I wanted to make them pay. And you know, that's that's how I went with South Florida. It was it was a pretty cool experience. Come down, we, you know, we missed a field goal, kind of fall up, fall short, but it was something for us to build on going into the next game. Got to start against Cincinnati. That was that was pretty cool. It you know. Earlier that week, I go into the training room, and, and the trainer kind of stops me. He's like, hey, uh, go in there. I want you to meet somebody. He's like, well, who is he? He just goes, go in there. You know, you're not going to bother him. Just go in there tell him I told you, you know, come talk to him. So, anyway, going to SwimX. Brett Favre sitting there doing his exercises. You know, I think that was maybe his knee, and he was questionable starter. Whatever. I said, hey, you know, I got the nod. Um, Coach Petrino had told me. But I was like, man, I got the nod to start this week. Any words of advice? He goes, man. I, you know, I really don't even remember my first start. Let's go out there and play. Yeah. You know, so it was, uh, you know, not, <laughs> hey, not, not a long conversation, <laughs> but straight to the point, right? Yeah, yeah. And and I mean, that's what I did. We we go into Cincinnati. We open up with a big touchdown. I think we had a big touchdown to Marvin. I believe if if that was the right year, it's okay. all kind of blending together. But yeah. Yeah, and that was fun. I mean, I remember going out after the game. My family always, my uncle brought his fifth wheel. We we camped out, we celebrated, and we had a good time. I mean, and that was just kind of the start of my career.
1: Yeah. So, so, but there's a, there's a huge difference in coming in the game midway through and then knowing, like, in advance that you're going to start. What was your, I mean, did you have any, like, pregame rituals or any superstitions or anything like that? before you started man, not 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 really
2: um you know of course that time was was prior text messages i would call my dad before i'd go get on the bus hey you know he'd kind of give me our little pep talk and and tell me good luck go have fun play hard you know that really was my only superstition but in terms of you know i mean as a backup you always prepare like you're gonna start you know, for when you do get that moment. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And of course, you know, you go in, want to be the starter. But as a team, as a team player, you got to understand that what your role is and and trust the head coach and trust the offense coordinator. So, you know, just stuck with that process. And, you know, when when you come off the bench, there's kind of like no pressure Mm -hmm. because it's like, okay, well, the starter didn't do it. So now, you know.
1: <laughs> right. The
2: pressure's not on me because press- it's not like oh, hell. We'll go. We'll go Plan B. Right. So, right. That's just kind of the mentality, and you can just go out there and and let it let it rip. But you know, I remember one game we were playing UAB late in the season, and I think Jeremy had started the game. I was on the sideline, and I could just see that they were playing a true cover two. Um. So you know, when we were running our our trace or stop right on the outside. Instead of stopping it, you would just convert it, and you, and I could see that window where to hit it. Um, so, you know, later in the game, we're coming down for, I think it's the last two-minute drive to to get back on top to UAB. Um, here we are, third and 10, same thing, you know, and I had talked to Anthony P. Roberts receiver at the time, and I talked to Merlin on the game. I said, you see how they're playing you? And cover two, that corner's going to squat, but he's also There's that big void between the safety, you know, and the corner on the sideline. And I said, just make sure that you convert it there. And, you know, later on in the game, we came back to it, hit it, and they eventually went on to score to win the game. But, uh, you know, I'd, I just saw that earlier on the sideline, so that was just kind of a different view. Yeah. But, look, I-, I wanted to start a football game. There's no Absolutely. doubt about it.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> no doubt about that, man. Well, I got to. Uh, Land, I'm going to do three more questions, so be on deck, man. All right? Don't be stuffing your face full of pork rinds or something. No, man. I wouldn't do that to you again.
3: No, I'm
1: I like it. I like it. Well, uh Dustin I know that, you know, there's with, with offense there's always three personalities. You've got the the quarterback and you've got the head coach and you've got the offensive coordinator. Um kind of what was it like? Did you have a lot of freedom and help picking plays or calling audibles or 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 who did y'all listen to most? Or does that make sense?
2: Yes. So okay. so my first year the quarterback coach uh was Paul Petrino, and our offense coordinator was uh Panakis. Um Panakis called the plays. Petrino was just the quarterback coach, so he was kind of like the, the go-between guy. Um then the following, and then in 03, we brought in Rip Shear, who was the offense coordinator and the quarterback coach. So we ultimately just dealt with him. You know, and of course he'd ask us certain situations what we like on third and 10, third and 15, you know, short yardage. Um, So he would kind of just take in advice. And then, you know, Jay Johnson was the offense coordinator and quarterback coach my senior year. And by that time I had gone through three offenses, three offense coordinators, but coach John, Jay Johnson. And I really, he, he saw the, the way that I understood it and gave me the freedom to say, okay, man, this is both on us, but, Go out if you see something change. Um, but, again, in a lot of those offenses, it was all that – all the pre-snap stuff. You know, whereas now you'll see them getting the formation, look to the sideline. Well, as a quarterback, we were all taught now it's, you know, you're looking at your front, you're doing your box count, you're reading your safeties to see two high, one high. So, you know, we're going to run here, we're going to get to this versus this two high front, you know, zone strong, um, you know, three – technique we can run a power right at so we had a lot of those freedoms as a quarterback but it was all kind of built in you know just an easy one was like you know 14 check gale you know which so it was either a run a zone which we could set up or we could check to a pass so there's a lot of that on the quarterback but the further i got in my career like y'all y'all posed a question earlier but by the time i got to my my fifth year so my my true or senior year to play I was never looking back. I didn't have to worry about being pulled off of the field, you know in this whole quarterback carousel, and I finally just got to trust in myself. Jay Johnson trusted me, and then that's when our offense was rolling.
1: okay, well kinda of, kind of going off that, man. What do you really kind of attribute to going? I think you know your the last three years at Southern you went with like eighteen hundred yards, two years, and then twenty eight hundred yards your senior year. Uh, what do you, what do you attribute that to?
2: Well, I injury, um, you know, I, I sprained my knee, my, in Oh two, Oh three, I was helped. I kind of, we went on and off with Mickey. Um, and then Oh four, uh, that was the, the game we played Houston going in the end zone. I pulled my hamstring that set me back. Okay. Um, and then my senior year, man, I just got healthy. And again, they, I just got a lot more trust out of, out of my coaching staff and, um, and we were playing from a lot of behind from a lot of those games, so that you know didn't help. But again, my senior year was was uh, Katrina. You know, we had two hurricanes come in that year. Um, you know, during the the start of it all, uh, we had to go and finish camp up at Memphis Stadium. You know, at, at their facility, and then come from Memphis and go straight to Tuscaloosa and play Alabama as our opening game. Nice. So it was just kind of our senior year just seems like it was just a, a fast pace. You know, we'll figure it out as we go. And, and you know, the team respond and kind of all stuck, stuck together. Yeah,
1: absolutely, man. Well, you know, what are your thoughts on the NIL and transfer portal? You know, the last, I guess, the last day and a half, maybe like ridiculous amounts of people have entered the transfer portal. Um, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> is it is this a trap question here you try no 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 wrong answer <laughs> uh
2: i think the nil deal deal's is pretty cool um mm-hmm. you know of course you're not going to be mandated there's always a, a, a way to break a, a rule right um you know so if you did it fairly which is not going to be fair i mean but it was being done prior now it's okay you right. know just uh, um, so, so to go to the second part of that, well, what was your other one? The NIL? The tr- about man.
1: the, yeah, transfer portal.
2: I, I think the transfer portal's a joke, man. I, I think all the, these participation ribbons and trophies and all that's just a, mm-hmm. a joke. You know, that's, that's, that's what you see now is the damn transfer portal. is just another participation it's tro- trophy.
1: blowing up, man, for sure. And we love it when it benefits us, but when it hurts us, we're like, this is stupid. I hate this. Um, yeah you you know
2: and there's always a story behind it so it's
1: right uh you know whether it's a good
2: one or a bad one i i I don't know it's politics
1: (laughs) absolutely man well my last question and then i'll turn it over to lane is you know looking at our team now and this is just your opinion as being you know an ex-football player and a coach and um, things like this what do you think is that puzzle piece we're missing right now and what do you think about coach hall as a coach So. Coach Hall,
2: I absolutely love, Um, you know, once I knew he was named head coach, I reached out to our old equipment manager, uh, Patrick Stewart at that time. He, he asked Coach Hall if I could call him. Well, Coach Hall called me um, and just kind of, you know, talked to me and, and, you know, just kind of told me his philosophy and what he wants to do and and how he's going to go about it. The man's done everything, Um, you know, that, I really believe that he is Southern Miss football. He you know, yeah. he has that grit to him. He has the passion is undeniable. Um, you know, so I really think that Southern Miss answered there. We so we have the head coach. I think the only missing piece now is getting a is getting a quarterback in there, one that's gonna stay healthy, you know, and one that's gonna be consistent. And I think that's they're starting to get a little bit more consistent and, and seeing what, what coach Hall is is trying to get through right um you know number 24 i I can't think of his name jake lane jake lane you know you see he he understands the offense he's running the offense but you know unfortunately he's just not as talented or as athletic as the other quarterbacks
1: yeah
2: you know so if you could build a a a super quarterback with all of them with all their strengths and you know you you definitely have a a stud Mm -hmm. so i think it's just that it's just being able to find a quarterback that's going to fit to his mold, um, you know, and just stay healthy. Right.
1: You're right. All right, Lane. I'm gonna turn it over to you, man.
3: All right. Well done.
1: Come on, Lane. You take the good ones.
3: Yeah, I got some good ones, man. Well, well, uh, I kind of want to. You know, Chuck talked a lot about your time at Southern Miss. I kind of want to um, jump into right after your time at southern miss you know i know you signed with a uh, cleveland and then you uh basically, man you went all over the place <laughs> you, you football is, has allowed you to kind of travel the world almost could you tell could you tell us a little bit about the journey football's taken you on
2: yeah so came out southern miss in, in 05 so that that was my so 06 draft i was assigned free agent um, and went to the Cleveland Browns. My previous offense coordinator, Rip Shear, was there. Um, and, you know, stayed there for a few months. And, you know, they they had, I think, five quarterbacks on the roster at that point. So it was just, you know, timing really didn't work out. <clears throat> Left there, they wanted me to go over to NFL Europe. And I, you know, just I didn't want to do that at that time. Um, and then, you know, moved back to Bossier City where my my grandmother was at the time, trying to figure things out. And ended up playing for the Bozier City Battle Wings, backing up one of their quarterbacks. So I figured out what arena was and soon oh, fell man. in love with it. Um, I then go the next year and, and play in, in Frisco, uh, which is an expansion team there in North Dallas. Uh, then moved down to Corpus Christi, played arena ball there. Um, then moved back to Fort Worth and then Fort Worth to San Angelo. Played ball there and then with that, that head coach, I came back to Dallas. Um, which was the vigilantes played in Dallas, uh, third day of camp, I ruptured my Achilles tendon, stepped in the pocket. Um, and then the next week I'm down in Corpus Christi as a head coach down there running, running that team. Um, and then after that quarterback
3: to a head coach in one day.
2: Yeah. in one day it had transpired once they found out I was hurt.
3: Holy cow.
2: So that, that was, uh, that was quite the experience.
3: I'll bet. You know,
2: getting, getting to coach kids that are right out of college. And of course, you know, at, at 23 and 25, we all know what and who we are and, you know, a little money in your mm-hmm. pocket and you turn into these monsters. Um, so I got to kind of coach that team and, and really help with, you know, some of the young guys transitioning from that college to the real world, um, you know, kind of help them with, with the lessons that I had learned through that journey. So that, that was pretty cool. Um, but anyway, came back to, uh, closure kind of where it all started and was coaching and teaching there and went to Philly. Um, and then Philly was my last year and then, you know, kind of the real world hit. I got grown, grown up world. I should grown say up. so.
1: <laughs> how did you, how, I'm sorry, I'm asked this question. How did you adjust to arena football? Because you got to get rid of the ball quick in arena football. So when I first,
2: <clears throat> when I first went to the, the battle wings, there in Bozier, it was, they were telling me I was throwing it too hard. You know, it was, they were too close. Um, you know, and of course everything is just so much quicker. I, I would, you know, I describe it as pretty much take all the furniture out of your living room, um, get your family in there. And now you're playing football and you pretty much have to throw the football. Wow. Um. So it it was fun. It made me a lot quicker. You know, by the time you hit your. Well, about midway through your first step, you better know where you're going because the defense is already showing you what they're doing because it is so fast. Mm-hmm. Um. But, man, I loved it. It was 70 degrees all the time. There was no wind, no rain. Um. So it was nice. And it didn't, it didn't interfere with my deer season.
3: (laughs) Was it hard to get used to the motions? It was,
2: you know, there at first, but it just, you know, the more and more you do it, you you start to get it. Then everybody starts to get used to your cadence and how you're doing everything.
3: Yeah.
1: Have you seen that? What's that? The Kurt Warner story or whatever. Have you seen that movie? Oh yeah. 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 yeah, he he plays uh, arena football, man. He gets leveled, dude. So, I don't I, mad props to you.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, and that's that AstroTurf. That that was the, uh, yeah, that, that takes a toll on your body. Mm-hmm.
3: How padded is that wall? I think we talked to, uh, Alex Michael one time about that's this. it was, yeah. He mentioned it's pretty unforgiving, huh? The wall, like, it's it's not as padded as you would think, right?
2: Well, it depends on on what arena you're at and what city you're in. Um, some of them had the money to buy the legit, you know, side walls cushions, and then some of them kind of went cheap and and went about half half as <laughs> thick as it should be. And those are the ones, yeah, that they don't give, and it, and it does not feel very well.
3: Oh. Well, can you tell us a little bit about your NFL experience? How long were you with the Browns? I know you said it was kind of a crowded quarterback room. How long were you there?
2: So I got there, I think it was close to like two months. I got, you know, did the rookie camps, did the uh, OTAs, and then got to right where we were going to start camp, and I got cut at that point.
3: I got uh, you. How was happened? that experience? So was it pretty cool to, like to get to see all that?
2: Man, it was, it, uh, you know, the, the phases of football, of course, junior high, you really don't know what you're doing, but you know, you love football. Then you get to high school, you know, you, you get to wear your Jersey to school on Fridays and, and all the girls and everyone knows who you are. Um, and now you're playing for fun. And then, and then, you know, you go to playing on Saturdays in college and it, it, it becomes like your life. Um, you know, and then you get to the NFL and now it is your life and it is your job. And it's, uh, it's a lot to take in. It's a lot to take in as a young guy, looking at some of these guys that, that do it in the NFL and are extremely successful. Man, it, it's uh, you know, your hats off to them to see that they can make that adjustment and how they do it. It's because it is a lot, and you know, learning a whole other terminology, a whole other scheme, a whole other coaching staff. It, it it takes a lot. So yeah, I just you know, it, it was overwhelming, but you know, it, it was a good ride. It was a good experience. It's cool to see how all that you know kind of transpires
3: yeah so you mentioned you became a coach like in one day <laughs> you know you mentioned you coached uh arena ball for a while you mentioned earlier you coached some high school football for a while too uh what made you decide that that you were even interested in coaching When you got her. what 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 made that decision for you
2: you know just it, it was kind of just giving back you know i i along my road, I had so many great coaches, um, you know, and of course I was a turd. I, I like to, <laughs> I you know, I like to have fun. Now, I, yeah. I wasn't a, I wasn't a troublemaker, but I like to have fun. Um, but I had a lot of, a lot of good coaches that, that kind of kept me straight, you know, and, and really pushed me and, and got out what I wanted. There was my high school coach, uh, Ron McCrone was my high school football coach. And he was the one that, that, Got me, you know, good in the classroom, got me past my test, you know, and and got me on at Southern Miss. And, you know, a couple of years in my career, he came up there as one of the defensive back coaches. But he saw something in me and, and took it upon himself and, and uh, you know, his staff to really help me get through high school and do the right things. And then, you know, I came to Southern Miss. So it all it all really kind of started with him. So, you know, seeing the way that a coach affects me and, and you know, the way that I could help younger kids or, or people, hell, my age that hadn't been through as much, you know, I've, I've kind of experienced and kind of helped those kids, you know, and I even coach women's basketball. So I got to learn the the, the hormones of women at those teenage age.
1: But, <laughs>
2: yeah, you know, I, and, I, and I feel like I gave back more and, and that was really just, you know, why I fell in love with coaching.
3: Now, whenever you became a coach, you know, you've mentioned a lot of these coaches that you've had. You mentioned Coach Ron in high school. I forget his last name. What was his last name? McCrone. Macron. You mentioned, uh, obviously, Coach Bauer. You mentioned you've had several quarterback coaches and OCs at Southern Miss. And you've obviously had a bunch of them in arena ball as you became a coach and started coaching, did you ever hear their voice come right out of you? Like, did you ever say stuff and you were like, man, I'm turning into my old coach. Like I get it. I get why he was like that. You know, did you ever, have you ever had those moments where, where it just kind of clicked and you were like, I sound like my old coach right now.
2: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And of course, you know, being around a lot of those guys, you, you kind of get to take the good and the bad from what they did and, and what you want to like, throw it in to, yeah, like you said, your own philosophy and, and, yeah, you'll hear some of the things come out. you are like, okay, that's why he said that so many times and drilled it into my head so many times.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it, it kind of helps give you a perspective later, you know, and kind of this is why they were so hard on me about that. So I think, you know, it's pretty cool to kind of see yourself once you start becoming a coach and doing stuff like that. I think it's pretty cool to see all the old coaches that help mold you. They kind of – they kind of make you a, like They make you to be who you are. You know, it's pretty cool. So. Oh,
2: yeah. Of course, you know, being on that field, you know, all the time, you, you'll you be out there one day just picturing things, you know, that your high school or junior high coach told you. Just because just you're out there on the football field, you just imagine yourself, you know, in that moment. And there's just so many memories. No matter what football field it is, it's a football field. And there's just so many memories that you learn as a player and a coach. And it it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool.
3: Now you mentioned the game's changed a lot from whenever you played to to where it is now uh just fun question here We're kind of you already answered a question that i I was thinking about asking earlier. You answered it already with another question, but uh if you played in like one of these hurry up no huddle spread offenses that everybody's going to now, how do you think your numbers would have looked? You'd have lit it up, huh? Like you felt like you just wanna like do you ever think about it and you're like, Man, I wish I could have played in this offense right now?
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, Coach Hall and I joke all the time, I was like, Damn man, if I could if I could play that offense, he's like, Well, if I had you as a quarterback, you know, we could do some (laughs) things, but man, it's uh it'd be some great things. But going back on Coach Hall, man, it's uh it's fun to see his offense and like I said, you once you see once we can find a quarterback that he can get his hands on it's. It's gonna be special. So, yeah, uh, yeah I, I would love to run that offense in particular.
3: Yeah, I went back and, and watched. Like I said, I watched some games from where you played, like a, against Utah and and stuff like that. And, and I watched the TCU highlights again and stuff. And you were under center a whole lot. It was it was basically a pro style offense. And so, you know, you just kind of wonder what if you know on stuff like oh. that.
2: Yeah, and two, you know, part of that question earlier. By the time I got to my senior year, they were giving me the freedom to go and gun more because we could run. You know, at that time we were running the zone read a little bit out of uh, out of gun. So, you know, now you just didn't know. Everyone would know you wouldn't. You were passing every game or every time. So it it kind of, you know, it helped a little bit. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, as a quarterback, heck yeah, you want to be from away from everything. But two, underneath gives you a lot more options versus being in, in the gun
3: yeah it does play actions are way better and so i feel like you get receivers more open under center but
2: oh yeah i think your windows are a little bit uh a little bit bigger too sucking them linebackers up you know just yeah. pre snap. but
3: oh yeah there's benefits to both for sure so um so anyway i'm gonna shift gears a little bit here uh you know, you're around these players that, that are your teammates and, and the players that you coach and all that. You're around them a ton. And a lot of times at least a bunch of fun stories, stories that are kind of inside stories between you and your buddies and all. And, um, of course, podcast appropriate here. But are there any stories from whenever you played at Southern Miss that you found particularly funny or anything like that that you want to share with us?
2: Well, you said I got to keep it clean. Um,
3: <laughs> I just egged out about half of them. <laughs> yeah. So, so there was,
2: uh, you know, just just coming on as a as a freshman. You know, I uh, they let me travel because we had four quarterbacks. It was easier to throw. You know, warm up with four quarterbacks as you got two and two. So we go to Birmingham and we're playing Alabama. Um, at that time, I forget. So Jeff Kelly, it was rain, all that stuff. But anyway, pregame, we go in there. And as a freshman, you're going and being part of all this. And you go into the locker room and, you know, kind of figuring everything out, laying your stuff, getting ready. Well, then you go to go to the bathroom. Well, as you walk in the bathroom, it's just pretty much this big room, probably 10 foot wide by probably 15 foot long. Well, it's all the. The pots. There is no dividers. There is no nothing. So you're ultimately just all sitting in a room taking a dump together.
3: <laughs> toilets just lined up.
2: <laughs> so you think, you know, okay, now <laughs> let's go back, you know, now fast forward to now, 2022 with everyone's feelings and, and <laughs> gentrifications and all that's going on. It's like, okay, you know, there, there was a, a, a moment, I, I guarantee you there wouldn't be people walking in you know, now to that situation. But I was just thinking about that the other day. Of course, we played UAB UAB there too. So, you know, it was a little intimidating pregame, you know, having to after your pregame meal go to the bathroom and now you're sitting around a bunch of of your teammates. So there was a lot of team bonding in in those uh, situations.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. And then uh, whenever you played – you know, Arena Ball, did y'all travel together as a team? Like, did you travel a lot on team buses or anything there? I'm not real sure how the travel situation works with Arena.
2: So we either, uh, it was either charter buses or, or planes, yes. We'd either fly commercial or, uh, or yeah, bus it.
3: So you're on the road. I'm sure you've seen a bunch of stuff in Arena Ball. And, and all. are there any stories from your time in Arena Football or anything you want to share with us?
2: Man, we, uh, we went one year up to Montana and played. It was, I think, the, the second round of the playoffs. We played Billings, Montana. And then on the way back, you know, of course, Billings is, if you've never been there, it's, it's a crazy place. But, uh, of course, coming back home and I think it was either a tropical storm or a, or a depression that had just gone through Texas. So it was flooding. Um, and of course, here we are. We had, it was kind of like a, a charter, almost like a charter trailer you know it had all the bunks and all that stuff in it so i think it held like 16 so we had 16 people in there sleeping and then you had your main cab your main cabin and uh we were coming back anyway we're we just now got to where the waters were were high and everything um you know the and the bus driver really didn't know which way to go so we're all sitting up there in the front of the bus and of course our running back at the time was like man just go through there that's not deep well Of course, he convinced the bus driver to do that because we all wanted to get home. (laughs) Needless to say, we all had to get out of the bus, and we were all in knee-high water. And, you know, the driver is definitely losing his job at that time. (laughs) uh, He's sitting there saying, you know, the running back told me, you know, calling his name. Oh, he told me, he's like, no, I didn't. (laughs) You know, why would you listen to me? But that was... uh, man i think that was like a 23 hour trip home um because of course you know the that had got flooded they had to come get a record get it out then we had to get another bus oh man it was a nightmare um but that was a good trip and then you know uh uh, when i was in frisco we flew up to anchorage alaska and played in anchorage alaska so we were the first uh professional football team up there to play um so that was a that was a pretty cool experience we played playing a Anchorage and then uh Fairbanks the following year. So we got to see all that you know, that part of the world, which is oh man, that's that's a uh that's a really nice place. But that's
3: really
2: cool. Kinda been all over. It's it's uh this this country is, is wide.
3: Yeah. You've been all over. What's your favorite city you've traveled to?
2: Favorite city I've traveled to Man, Philly. Philly in terms of sports, you know, being with the soul and how they, you know, responded to the Phillies, the Philly Soul, the the Eagles, the Flyers. Absolutely insane. You know, that 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 fan base is is pretty unique. Um but man, probably probably Fairbanks, Alaska. It was just it was just like a postcard pitcher.
3: Oh yeah. I got you. And then my last question for the night for you is uh, kind of a two-part deal here. So, Well, yeah, it's kind of a two-part deal here. So the first part will be this. So what does the game of football, what does it mean to you over the course? Obviously, you've played it. You've coached it. It's been a huge part of your life. It's taken you all around the country. What What does the game of football mean to you, and why does it mean so much to you? And then after that, uh, how do you hope people remember your legacy from whenever you played at southern mass
2: so so football to me was oh what i mean what it means to me of course, I started out playing when I was five you know my dad was was kind of like the hometown hero type guy he he was uh you know mystery relevant in seventy nine so he he played with or he he was kind of known around that around town. You know, so living up to that legacy, knowing that I was Mike Gallman's son and, and everyone kind of pointed that out, kind of leveled my, my play, you know, kind of raised it a little bit, trying not to let him down. But it, it goes back to memories of, of that with him, you know, traveling, traveling the, the country, um, traveling it as a little kid playing in different states. Uh, but it really formed me. It really gives you, you know, determination it shows you the way of life. You know, if you get down and, and you give up, well, you know, you're not benefiting anybody. If you get up and fight that, I mean, that's, that's how you respond. And, and that's how you need to act. I think that was kind of lessons that came through, but then just knowing how to be a good teammate, knowing how to listen. Um, you know, just a lot that football brought into my life, of course, you know, education, the, the fans, the, the friends, my family, you know, brought a lot of my family members together, tailgating, just a lot of things that, that it brought to me. I mean, but, but most of all, it just taught me about life, it taught me how to react in certain situations and how to deal with the consequences.
3: Good deal. Good deal. And, uh, and how do you hope, how do you want your legacy at Southern Miss to be remembered? How do you, how do you want to be remembered at Southern Miss? What do you hope people remember about you? Uh, as a player,
2: I, I know that, you know, I was described as a as a linebacker and a quarterback's or a quarterback in a linebacker's body. You know, I, I I played with a passion. I took in the Southern Miss tradition. I wore that black crowd. I, I, you know, I I did it justification. I I feel like I really carried on that tradition. But you know, I want to be remembered as a good teammate, someone who fought and believed in Southern Miss and Southern Miss ways. Someone who still believes it. Um, you know, but, and as a person, just someone who cared, someone who cared about what they were doing and what others were doing around them, you know, trying to do the right things. And at the same time, having a good time and, and enjoying, enjoying the memories with people around me. Good
3: deal. Good deal. Well, Chuck, that's all the questions I got.
1: Awesome, man. Well, Dustin, thank you so much for coming on, man. We appreciate it a long time Tell us, i
2: appreciate it I, it was a good conversation i enjoyed it like like guys like y'all we need yeah, more man. of
1: them well we appreciate <laughs> that we'll bring you on again maybe so absolutely. Just stay focused and uh good luck and 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 running that uh facility man for sure well, i appreciate it absolutely we well, appreciate
3: all yeah. you've done for southern miss man
2: absolutely and, well thank you guys and like i said y'all y'all continue to to do uh great things like i said coach all's gonna He's going to bring it back. Y'all just trust and leave in him.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And if you're ever in the berg, let us know. We'll, we'll take you to keg or something, man. Sounds like a plan. Awesome. Well, everybody, thank y'all so much for tuning in. Uh, like, share, subscribe, pass the word. Um, thanks, Lane, for being a great co-host. And thanks, Pate for making us sound and look good. And as always, Southern Miss to, to the, the top.
3: top.
2: Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Everyday Eagles podcast. For Southern Miss fans, by Southern Miss fans. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit everydayeaglespodcast.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Everyday Eagles Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on the Everyday Eagles podcast.